You are a Locked On Braves postcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the Braves postcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. I'm Grant McCauley. He's Jake Mastriani and the Braves. If they were road weary, well, they didn't show any signs of it whatsoever as they welcomed the New York Yankees to Truist Park. And in true Southern hospitality, they greeted them with some big-time offense. They got their ace, Max Freed, back out on the mound. He delivered a quality start, and the Braves picked up an 11-3 win to open up a three-game series. Lots to get into in this one. Some injury news, unfortunately, we're going to have to sprinkle in here, but the Braves do pick up a win to open up their series against the New York Yankees. We're going to jump into all of that and, of course, get you set up for Game 2, which comes your way on Tuesday. Before we do, though, I want to remind you to subscribe to Locked On Sports Atlanta right here on YouTube. Hit the bell to get notified every time we drop a new episode. Go ahead and leave a like and a comment. We appreciate all of those. And make sure you subscribe to Locked On Braves wherever you get your podcasts. Jake, this was a game that was just the old, good old-fashioned 2023 Braves formula. A good start, which they had gotten most of the season. Maybe lately those have been a little bit harder to find. And a whole bunch of offense. And they were able to do a little punch-counter punch early on and then able to really sew it away late and, and get, continue to add on runs and pick up a victory. I think that's the key in this one too. They continue to add on runs. They had the the big, you know, the big burst early, then they scored in the middle, scored late, doing all the things that this Braves offense does so well. Yeah, all the things. And run scoring is one of the big things the Braves do so well. Let's talk about a game number 118 of the season. Braves improved to 76 and 42 as they pound out 11 runs on 15 hits, no errors. They left nine men on base. Yankees, meanwhile, they are a 500 team just above it. In the cellar of the American League East, which, as we know, is a very tough division, 60-59, and 59, three runs, 11 hits, no errors, and five men left aboard for the Yankees. Max Reed picks up the win, pitched into the seventh, didn't record an out in that frame, but I thought it was good to see him still out there or going out for the seventh. Four and one now on the year. Clark Schmidt, the local product, the kid out of Ackworth, I don't know that he enjoyed coming back to Georgia for this one as he was pounded by the Braves, suffers a loss. He's eight and seven. Two hours, 50 minutes, sellout crowd, 42,717. Very vocal fans. A lot of Yankees fans there. Even more Braves fans on hand for this one. And what they saw, Jake, was Max Freed in his third start back from the injured list. I really feel like he kind of split the difference from the first and the second one. And as I mentioned, it was nice, even if he wasn't able to get all the way through the seventh or even recording out there, to see him get up and down and be back out on the mound in the seventh inning. He is. You know, he's still working on the up and down, and that's why I think it's so big to go back out, at least go back out for that seventh inning. He's still trying to kind of feel his way through it as he comes back from a long IL stint here. So I thought this is another step in the right direction for him. Again, I didn't think his last outing was that bad. Just had some things that kind of didn't go his way, but in this one he got the results as well. Probably should have given up one fewer run as well. Matt Olson makes a little bit better throw there on the pickoff move. So I thought this was a fantastic start. For Max Freed had a little trouble with the fastball command early, and it mm-hmm. like they kept trying to find it and find it. And the Yankees had a good approach against him. They peppered that right side of the field, several hits through that vacated spot at second base where the shift was on there. So he did give up eight hits in this game. Max has those outings where he gives up a lot of hits. It doesn't really feel like it because they're all typically, you know, either soft hits or they're just singles. That's kind of what the case was here. I didn't feel like he got hit particularly hard in this one or gave up a lot of hard hits, but I thought this was a great outing from Max Reed and what you want to see from your ace as he continues to kind of progress and get back into form. Yeah, and a lot of contact in this game. As you mentioned, the Yankees had their eight hits, scored a couple of runs early against him, but then he was able to buckle down. 
got a handful of pop-ups and and just really seemed to at least settle into a nice little groove. And then some of the plays started to get made behind maybe a little bit more. And, you know, every once in a while, there's just going to be something that doesn't go your way. Unfortunately, in the Pittsburgh start, it was kind of the linchpin in a really bad inning. For this one, though, it was not a big inning. Max Fried was able to escape the jam. And, of course, the Braves offense was able to answer as well. Six innings officially, two earned runs, one walk, only two strikeouts. I thought that was interesting. The stuff was all there. As you mentioned, the fastball command wasn't great. I don't know that he had great feel for his curveball either. But when you throw five pitches, you're kind of able to at least keep the hitters off balance. And as you mentioned, a lot of soft contact, typically for Max Fried when he's on. And it didn't seem like the Yankees hit them all together that hard. No, it didn't. And you mentioned used all of those pitches through all five of his pitches at least 11 times in this one. And he didn't get the swings and misses. That Yankees lineup did a good job putting the ball in play. No swings and misses on his curveball, but seven called for strikes. Mm-hmm. I actually thought as the game went on, he got a little bit better mm-hmm. with that. I think mean, it was a little bit change in approach as well. Like I said, the Yankees had a good approach in him, just shooting that fastball the other way. I thought they started to switch it up there more to go with that curveball and got some over for strikes. But yeah, using his whole arsenal here, keeping them off balance. I mean, that's what Max Fried does so well. Yeah, that's kind of what makes Max Freed Max Freed. Pierce Johnson and Joe Jimenez able to close it down over the final three frames and get those final nine outs. Let's talk, though, about the Braves offense, which is kind of our main event on just about every postcast that we do. Austin Riley, I thought it was big to see in the bottom of the first inning after the Yankees drew first blood. They got that first run across on Max Freed. You kind of wondered, hey, is it going to be one of those nights where, you know, maybe everything's going to be just out of reach or he's just going to have to grind and work a little bit harder in this start? Can the Braves offense pick him up? They immediately did. The solo homer for Riley, a couple of hits and a couple of runs scored in this game for him. But really, it was kind of that middle of the order. And this is a different lineup than we've normally seen. And one of the big stories of this day was the absence of Ozzie Albies. We find out after the game that he's going to be placed on the injured list. But Nicky Lopez was the man who was tasked with playing second base. Michael Harris moved up to Ozzie's normal number two spot in the order. He was productive, and we'll get into the Ozzy Albies move in just a moment. And of course, Nicky Lopez, I mean, this guy just continues to add to his legend in a Braves uniform. But uh, the two key hitters for me in this game, I feel like, I mean, other than the obvious home run hit by Austin Riley, which of course helps to open things up, but Marcelo Zuna and Eddie Rosario seem to be in the middle of everything good happening for the Braves tonight, Jake. It did. And those are two guys that it feels like sometimes they kind of you know, get lost in the lineup or they lose themselves, but then they kind of turn things around and we know how hot they can get. And when they're swinging the bat, well, I thought Ozuna's done a really good job of this year, even in those cold spells, still doing some good things for the team. But Eddie Rosario, three hits on the night, had the home run late, but big key hit in that huge, huge rally the Braves had going, went up and got a pitch up out of the zone that only Eddie Rosario can hit and lace into the right center field gap. I mean, uh, you know, that's just kind of what he does. And when he's in a groove like that, he's, he's hitting those pitches and, and hitting them well. So it's good to see that for him. Hopefully he's going to get on a hot streak again. We know what he can do when he's hot like that. But, yeah, you got three hits from Rosario, two from Ozuna, and then three from Nicky Lopez. You mentioned that bottom of the order for the Braves just continues to do a great job, and that's what separates them or this offense from every other offense in baseball. Yeah, potent, but it's also a deep lineup. You just can't really count on going to a certain spot or certain spots, plural, to get outs each night because it might be a different guy that does start a rally or get the hit that keeps a rally going or, of course, get the big hit. And that felt like things that Eddie Rosario and Marcelo Zuna were doing a lot on this night. Eddie with his three-for-five evening with his 17th home run of the year, knocked in four of the Braves' 11 runs. Ozuna, meanwhile, he was kind of the fire starter, two out of three, couple of walks as well. And you look at what Marcel has done, 12-game hitting streak now, Jake. He's 14 for his last 46, 
throw in five walks. He's scored eight times. He's knocked in eight runs. He's got five doubles and a home run. And I uh, tweeted this a little bit earlier this evening, or I guess I posted it on X because that's what we're doing now. But Marcelo Zun and Eddie Rosario, a couple of weeks ago, they were ice cold. They've started to heat up again. It was kind of one of the question marks around the trade deadline. But as it does seem over the course of the long season, the highs and lows, maybe that was just an ill-timed low for those two guys. It was maybe a little bit of pressure there because they knew, you know, maybe they were actually looking to replace them. So uh, maybe they put a little bit of added pressure on themselves. The one thing about Ozuna, you mentioned the five walks, and that's what I, I was alluding to earlier. Even when he struggled, even in April, he was taking his walks. And that's why I say, you know, even all year, Ozuna's kind of done the little things to really help out the team offensively. What a turnaround it's been for him, a guy that was, you know, really bad the last two years now and uh, has really made a big forward at the middle to bottom of the Braves lineup. Yeah, I think in April, late April, depending on what the Braves roster was going to look like, if that's you know cold spell for Marcelo Zuna stretched on for another week or two, he was probably knocking on the door getting designated for assignment. Yeah. And we'll never know, but the way things were going, when you're batting 083 after one month of play, some serious questions are going to be asked, particularly considering the backdrop of the final or the last yeah. two years for him as he headed into the final years of this contract. It might have you know gotten to the point of diminishing returns for the Braves, but fortunately. Marcel went down to Miami and threw himself a party and got his season on track and has been an integral part of the middle of the Braves order ever since. And he was once again in the middle of things today. Uh, Nicky Lopez, we talked about this. He was in for Ozzy Albies. That's the unfortunate news. So let's kind of unpack this one. Ozzy with the left hamstring cramping that had him taken out of the game on Sunday in the eighth inning. That kind of, you know, raised the red flag of, okay, well, hopefully this is nothing major. We had seen the Braves kind of, wait on Sean Murphy for a few days before even thinking about putting him on the injured list. And as it turned out, they were able to avoid that stint. Not going to be the case for Albies, though. Nicky Lopez, you talk about well-timed. This was a good pickup for the Braves because of his versatility, the uh, defensive prowess that he has. And all of a sudden, this guy has turned himself into quite a hitter. Three more hits, three more RBI tonight. Jake, this was uh, just a nice depth move by the Braves, and it may pay off immediately because you're losing somebody it's part of your everyday lineup. And, and why not, is what I say with Ozzy Albies, why not go ahead and put him on the IL? You got the, the length or you got the, this lead in the division that you have if there are any kind of lingering issues there. Why not just go ahead and put him on the bench? And I think getting Nicky Lopez, as you alluded to, helps with that decision. You feel much better about your depth there. Von Grissom, who Snicker mentioned, could be an option to get mm -hmm. called up. He just continues to rake at AAA, and he did good things last year when called upon. So I just think you have options there, and you have some solid depth there that you can count on now. You're going to want Ozzy ready and healthy for the postseason. There's no doubt there. So, again, with the big lead that you have, why not just put him on the IL, let him continue to rest up? And again, with the way this offense is and the depth that you have, I think it just makes sense. Hopefully he's okay. Hopefully there's nothing yeah. major, and they are just being cautious here. Yeah, it, you hate to lose a guy like this, and an important part of your everyday lineup. And we know just from seeing last year, I mean, there's a certain energy that Ozzy Albies brings. And then I put that aside uh, when you talk about the kind of production that he can bring, and he's been doing it all year long, particularly since he's moved into that two spot. So this is going to change the dynamic, I believe, of the Braves lineup. Regardless of who gets called up, it would appear that Michael Harris would be the odds-on favorite to jump to the top of the order, hit right behind Ronald Acuna Jr., right in front of Austin Riley. That sounds like a pretty good spot for a productive hitter. And fortunately, the Braves, as you mentioned earlier, I mean, the lineup is so deep and so talented, you're able to take a hitter like Harris, who could be batting in any of the top three spots on 29 other teams, was batting ninth for the Braves, and now he gets that opportunity as well. But I'm with you. No reason to take any chances on Ozzie Albies, you know, potentially pushing things 
when you do have this lead, this advantage, and you've got the depth and the talent to be able to make up for it. So we'll see exactly how long, what the prognosis is and the timeline, of course, for Ozzy Albies as more details emerge from that. Uh, Braves with their 11 runs in this game, Jake, have now scored 111 runs in the month of August. If you're scoring at home, that's 7.9 runs per game. That is an incredible number when you consider they played just 14 games this month, and it is, in fact, approaching some of their entire run outputs for entire months earlier in this season. That's how incredible this Braves offense is. We knew how good it could be in June, but all of a sudden it feels like they have another gear that they have reached in August just when the pitching staff really needed this group to step up. You know, you got to remember this next year because it seems like every season the Braves offense may be a little slow out of the gate while the weather is still kind of cool. And then when it heats up like it is right now, and it hasn't been hotter than it is right now, this Braves offense seems to go with it. So, again, it's talented hitters up and down the lineup. They hit the ball hard, extremely hard, just about every game up there. So you know what they can do. It's the deepest lineup in baseball. Matt Olson, two more hits to now, average up to 276 on the year. I mean, he just continues to rack up the hits. So, uh, again, just a deadly lineup like we talk about every night here, top to bottom. Yeah, it's not all home runs either, but two more home runs on this evening. Give the Braves 229 on the season, 20 away from matching the franchise record set in 2019. There are 44 games to go. So it looks like the Braves lineup might be a pretty good I don't know if you're, you're a, a, a wagerer on sports on any of our great sponsors or anywhere else, but it seems like a pretty safe bet that the Braves would be eclipsing their franchise record and maybe making a run at the Minnesota Twins record of 307 because Atlanta's on pace for, I believe, 315 home runs this year. It's absolutely just an incredible output for the Braves who are pushing after this night, I believe, maybe a 950-run pace for the season. They have been that good. Phillies also uh, were off this evening, so the Braves, by virtue of their win, pick up half a game in the NL East standings, 11 and a half games between the first and second place clubs with Atlanta atop the East. We'll talk a little bit about Game 2, which comes your way on Tuesday. Before we do, though, I want to let you know all about Game Time, one of our great sponsors, and they are bringing you this episode of the Braves Postcast. And Game Time is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. So you buy your tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. So snag those tickets without the stress at game time. You want to download the game time app, create your account, use that code locked on MLB, and you'll get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but create that account, redeem the code locked on MLB for $20 off that first purchase. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. If you're looking for last minute tickets to the Braves and the Yankees, on Tuesday, well, game time's your hookup, and let's get you set up for what you would see were you to buy tickets to this game. And it is Bryce Elder on the mound against Luis Severino of the New York Yankees in game two of this series. Elder's eight and four. We know he struggled of late, 364 ERA, but Severino, how far has he fallen from a few years ago when he was looked upon as perhaps the ace of this Yankees staff? Two and seven with an ERA just over eight. Jake, it's been a rough year for Severino. It hasn't been the Yankees' year, that's for sure. You look at the record and some of the things that have gone on, but for the Braves, a chance to have, you know, grab a series victory if Bryce Elder is able to deliver another quality start and the Braves' offense does anything close to what it did on Monday night. And they got a chance to. You mentioned Severino, the struggle he's had this year. Throws a fastball over uh, almost 50% of the time, and teams are slugging over 700 against that pitch this year. So with the Braves' offense, you know they got a chance to do some damage there. But the key here is going to be, 
uh, watching Bryce Elder, what he can do outside of those back-to-back good starts against the Brewers. It's been a really rough stretch for him lately. So want to see him in the zone. You saw this Yankees team, how patient they were. He's going to have to come in the zone and attack him, attack them with his stuff. So hopefully he can do that and get on track like some of these other brave starters. Yeah, and why not? Bryce Elder, I know, has been continuing to try to, you know, tweak things and find what the answer is. I thought he looked a little bit better against the Pirates, had that double play been made at the plate. Maybe that three-run inning all of a sudden is a one- or two-run inning, and then he kind of ran into trouble and maybe ran out of gas in the sixth inning as well in that loss. But I think Bryce Elder, at least in Pittsburgh, to me, showed a few signs of maybe figuring a couple of things out, and we'll see what kind of challenge that Yankees lineup is for him. Elder looking for win number nine on the year. Severino, again, just two and seven on the season. First pitch of game two set for 7.20 p.m. Eastern time at Truist Park between the Atlanta Braves and the New York Yankees. That'll wrap things up for this edition of the Braves Postcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. Make sure you subscribe right here on YouTube. Click the bell to get notified every time we drop a new episode. And you can leave us those likes, those comments, and be sure to share the show. Uh, Tell a friend all about it. We appreciate that. And subscribe to Locked On Braves wherever you get your podcast. Once again, a big day for the Braves offense behind Max Fried in an 11-3 win over the New York Yankees. We'll be back at you after game two. For Jake Mastroianni, I'm Grant McCauley, and we will talk to you soon, everyone. And until then, so long. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. D.C. Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked on Yankees. Locked on Mariners. Locked on Mets. Locked on Angels. And you're listening to Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. 